Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the health minister says Canada's measures to detect and limit the spread of the new coronavirus are working. The first patient knew exactly what to do uh, should his uh, symptoms mirror the kinds of symptoms we were asking passengers to watch for. And of course, uh, his spouse was in self-isolation as directed by health officials after, after he was hospitalized. Aaron O'Toole launches his campaign for the Conservative leadership. It's time Canadians had a government that fights for their needs instead of fighting for attention from global celebrities and corrupt corporate insiders. I'm Aaron O'Toole and I'm running to unite Conservatives on the path to victory. And Parliament resumes with MPs unanimously adopting a motion concerning the downing of a passenger jet in Iran that killed dozens of Canadians. We're committed to supporting the families and loved ones with our priorities continuing to be transparency, accountability and justice. I told President Rouhani directly that Canadians expect and demand full cooperation from Iranian authorities. It's Tuesday, January 28th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist with the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. Let's start with the how the government is handling the fear and the implications around the coronavirus. And those, those really are two separate and distinct things. They're related, obviously, but uh, the government is reassuring Canadians that they're on this. And I think at the same time, they're trying to quell any sort of panic, uh, even though it is taking hold in some places. Yeah, it is. It, you're right to say it's two very different issues. I think... Um, you know, this observation is being made more and more that this government has begun this new year uh, very much in a state of crisis communications and not doing a bad job of it either, by all accounts. Uh, you see ministers with public servants holding press conferences over and over again, talking about transparency, availability. So I think, and Patty Haidu, uh, has uh, the health minister has basically made this now her job to keep Canadians informed, to keep on top of this. But there is the other element too, and I think you, you've started to see warnings from people about the misinformation that's being spread online. Uh, that kind of stuff can go as viral as a flu, as you know. Yeah. Um, and and. You know, memories of SARS, you're seeing uh, the the SARS crisis of how many years ago now? Uh, 2003, I think it was. Yeah, yeah 16, 17 years ago. Um, so, again, some of that experience with SARS has been good. Um, it's, uh, it's helped prepare Canada for, you know, what not to do and what to do. SARS also has had the effect of making Canadians maybe overly paranoid. But right now, we only have two cases in Canada. Um, well, 19 people, I guess it is, under observation. Probably right. we're going to see some more. But, but right now, this does not look like anything close to an epidemic. But the fear of it is, uh, is keeping this at the top of the news. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's turn to the Conservative leadership race. Aaron O'Toole officially launched his bid yesterday. So far, this race has been more about who's not running than who is <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, is Aaron O'Toole, as of now, the main challenger to Peter McKay, the only challenger? I think he's positioned himself as such. His, um, his launch was very interesting in... Um, First of all, for how many times it mentions fight and military and um, a, a very sort of 
hyper aggressive. Uh, this is going to, you know, conservatives are at war or conservatives are waging battle. Um, whereas Peter McKay, although he used to be a defense minister himself, has uh, has not sort of gone to that language. But it, I, I think we don't have all the contenders in the race yet. I've, with, there were late reports yesterday that Candace Bergen, I think Michelle Rempel is still holding out uh, some kind of consideration for it. I think there's a, a, a suggestion that um, we need some to see some women in this conservative leadership race as well. But right now, as of this week, it does look like uh, Aaron O'Toole, who's calling himself the true blue candidate, uh, fighting against Peter McKay, who is um, trying to evoke some memories of red Toryism. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a bit of a blue versus red thing going on here between these two that um, that will probably make things interesting. It's going to be an interesting yeah. race no matter what. But it's it's interesting to see O'Toole portraying himself that way. Obviously, that is to contrast himself with Peter McKay because I I don't. I don't think uh, a month ago everybody would have seen Aaron O'Toole as the standard bearer for the conservative wing of the conservative party, right? No, I think that job had kind of fallen to Pierre Polyev and his exit, his surprise exit from the the leadership race last week seemed to leave that that vacancy or that vacuum there for a candidate like that. Um, I, I Like you, I have never seen... O'Toole as a particularly combative or um, um, hard right kind of conservative, but I, I think that was uh, that that was definitely what he wanted to portray himself yeah. as yesterday. All right. Uh, what about the French question? Uh, there have been a number of different articles written in French and in English about whether the next leader of the Conservative Party should be not just somebody who can read a speech in French, but who is fluently bilingual. Peter McKay uh, is is not fluently bilingual. I don't think Aaron O'Toole is either. Uh, how much of an issue do you think that is? I think this. Um, it's, it's interesting how it's being picked up in so many places, too. And this isn't just a conversation about language. It's a conversation about old Canada versus new Canada. It's a conversation about um, about whether people feel it's it's elites versus non-elites. Um, the idea that Quebec and Ontario have run the country for so long, and the frustration that people feel about that, and they bent it through uh, bilingualism. I would argue, I think, that it, it still is important, and we saw that um, that that Shear's fortunes during the last election definitely declined in after uh, the the French debate, and it wasn't necessarily his facility with English, just it, that um, those Quebec debates uh, were different. I don't think you can. I don't think you can be a national leader and go into a, a, a federal election debate not speaking French. It, it, I think it's that's just the reality now in Canada. Hmm. All right, let's talk generally about the resumption of Parliament. Yesterday, uh, this new session is underway. 
after a brief one in the uh, late uh, fall, early winter of uh, of December. Um, yesterday, there was, of course, a, a motion about the passenger jet that was shot down by an Iranian missile. Uh, there were other developments as well, uh, questions in question period about a range of topics. Uh, what did you pick up from the first day back of this new minority parliament? Interesting. It was interesting. I went up there at a question period yesterday to sort of catch the mood, and it really did wildly vacillate between solemn, cooperative, collaborative um, discussion about the flu, about the coronavirus, and also about the Canadian, uh, Canadian-Iran relations and the air crash. So you saw them, uh, Andrew Shear, very politely and graciously say thank you to Trudeau for keeping him up to date. And then I think the speaker observed after about 40 minutes, they were all yelling at each other again anyway, you know, the heckling. I think what strikes me overall about this um this current commons is how much of it is going to take place outside that commons. Uh, although it's a minority parliament, I, you saw yesterday that the Conservatives shuffled their shadow cabinet to allow their leadership contenders, such as they are, not to be there. So the lead, Peter McKay doesn't even have a seat, so the leadership race is not happening in the legislature. Um, there is a, a lot of talk about uh, how quickly NAFTA 2, the, the trade deal, is going to pass, but all of the parties are talking about the need to be briefed outside the legislature, that the debate is not going to take place in there. I think you're going to see a lot of things happening at committees, but I left question period yesterday thinking, you know, I don't think I'm going to be behind in Canadian politics if I just skip attendance at this thing. I think that the action is outside Parliament right now. Very interesting. We'll see if that continues. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte of the Toronto Star. Part of the challenge is communicating in an effective way to Canadians through the media, uh, through other measures, that the risk is low. Now, here's what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Andre Picard asks if we should fear the coronavirus or the fear surrounding it. Picard writes, We tend to be more fearful of new threats to our health, such as the coronavirus, than of well-established ones, such as influenza, no matter how irrational that is. The good news is that the science is advancing at breakneck speed and with an unprecedented level of cooperation. But good science alone cannot assuage fear. The way public health officials and the media communicate information is key to shaping perceptions. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun addresses concerns in the early days of the coronavirus in Canada. The Sun writes, The information coming out of China is constantly changing. But amidst this uncertainty, Canada's public health professionals have shown remarkable calm in ensuring the public that they are alert to the situation and are pursuing all avenues. Experts predict this illness will further spread before it gets better. Given this, Canadians' concerns are certainly valid. Thankfully, Our public health teams are keeping us informed and giving it their all. In the Toronto Star, Gillian Stewart argues, climate change threatens to turn the Conservative leadership race into a heated battle. Stewart writes, If the Conservatives are ever to retake the reins of government, they have to have a plan to significantly reduce emissions. Are the candidates prepared to talk about tough federal regulations, or are they going to toe the same line as Jason Kenney and his supporters? That may be the key to winning the Conservative leadership, 
but it will probably doom the Conservatives in the next federal election. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The parliamentary budget officer will release a report today that should attract a lot of attention. He's been asked to look at the Trudeau government's proposed tax cut, aimed at increasing the basic personal exemption offered to all Canadians. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, the Trudeau Liberals campaigned on a promise of decreasing income taxes on Canadians, and this measure was the first one tabled just before Christmas in the days just before Parliament adjourned for the holidays. Finance Minister Bill Morneau announced that every Canadian's personal exemption under this legislation would be increased to $15,000. It's up $2,000 from the current deduction. Now, Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux today will release his costing of how much the measure will cost the government in foregone tax revenues. Morneau says that Ottawa will give up about $6 billion in tax revenues every year, but he argues that that will mean 20 million Canadians will pay less in taxes. But some critics, including the NDP, say that the $6 billion in foregone tax revenues could have been better spent on something like Pharmacare. Well, the Parliamentary Budget Officer will rekindle the whole debate when he releases his costing of the whole scheme on his website at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will attend the Cabinet meeting and question period, and the Green Party Caucus will discuss one of their priorities for this parliamentary session regarding inappropriate corporate influence on federal government decisions. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, January 28th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.